from AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. Here's your host, Chip Lutz. Hello, friends, and welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Today is a pretty exciting day for me because I get to do a couple interviews, but the first interview I get to do is with a good friend of mine, somebody I've known nearly a decade, Roberta Gold. Uh, so hello, Roberta, and welcome to LaughBox. Well, thank you, Chip. Thank you for having me on. Well, I'm happy to talk to you anytime I can because you're one of the, I think one of the first people I ever met in the association. Just, uh, I always tell people that people in AATH are fundamentally some of the nicest people you ever meet and that my first conference down in uh, Florida is like, you know, real people aren't this nice, but um, at AATH they are and you're one of those nice people. Well, thank you. And I feel the same way about you and I'm so glad that you did join us. Yeah, but that's that's just all, it's just all a ruse on my part. I'm really not nice. See, that's the di- that's the difference. See, you're genuinely nice. I'm just I'm just fake nice. <laughs> well, your fake nice is beautiful, Chip. <laughs> well, well, thanks. I I'm really good at the whole duplicity and duplicity in life. <laughs> so I was I was stoked to be able to talk to you today, and you know, so because you know you're one of the few rec therapists that I know. You know, that, you know, and it's kind of an interesting thing to me. So before we get into, you know, humor and stuff, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself or tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, you know, what, what do rec therapists do? Well, recreation therapists do a lot of different things. We work in a lot of different fields. I started out working in schools for severely emotionally disturbed children and moved on to psychiatric institutions. I worked in group homes with developmentally disabled, and I've done incredible things with people who are blind and physically handicapped. So we really go the gamut. Then I started specializing in seniors and working with the Department of Aging, and I've kind of come full circle now because I've kind of put back to my original roots and gone back with a passion of mine to work with children again and parents and trying to rear children who are more resilient, happier, and less likely to harm themselves or somebody else, which is kind of what we hear in the news all the time, unfortunately. Well, I'm all for that. I mean, you take a look around, just a whole lot of angry people, which I think, you know, is social media has a lot to do with that. Cause I think that people are a lot, I don't want to say tougher when they're um, semi-anonymous, you know, when it's not in person and they will uh, spool things up a little bit faster via social media than they normally would in person. Um, so, I, and, you know, I think that certainly being out there working with the youths the of today, as, um, as Joe Pesci would say in um, My Cousin Benny, youths, <laughs> the youths of today um, is uh, noble and well-needed. Well, thank you. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, surprising to me when I walk into a classroom and I ask the children to introduce themselves and tell me something that they enjoyed or laughed about in the last few days or a week. I walked into a class of 35 fifth graders and two-thirds of them looked at me blankly and said, I don't laugh at anything. And I just wanted to cry. I, I was I was so heartbroken. I mean, kids are supposed to play and have fun and enjoy themselves, especially in elementary school. 
And these kids were stressed out, already thinking about getting into middle school, high school, college, already thinking about that as a fifth grader. That is crazy. I mean, some of the best times I remember were, and I don't want to say best times, but I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I mean, I didn't have a care in the world. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, nothing but possibility ahead of you. And just, we laughed all the time, had fun all the time. That's how it's supposed to be. That's what I want to bring back again. And unfortunately, 90% of children's stress is directly related to the parents' stress. And parents today are very stressed out, and especially with the climate in the world right now, especially in the United States. I'm doing a lot of work with people that are just so anxiety-ridden over things they have absolutely no control over. And that's where humor and laughter plays a wonderful role in helping bring perspective into your life again. Absolutely. Now, let's we'll, let's get back to that in a minute. I want to kind of find out about your humor roots. You know, where did, uh, how did you get interested in the field of humor and how did, you know, it related to you in the professional world? Well, it's interesting. A lot of it came from my family. My dad got sick early on when I was in junior high, beginning of high school. He got very, very sick, and we used a lot of humor. He ended up losing his his colon, his intestine, and he had a bag, and after he came out of surgery, we brought him a rubber duck for his bag. Nice. We used a lot of, a lot of humor while he was in the hospital. But it probably happened after I graduated college, and I had my first job, real job at – it was a freestanding psychiatric institution. And I had probably the best boss in the whole world because after a couple of weeks of working there, he sat me down and he said, Roberta, what do you really want to do with your life? I said, oh my gosh, Sean, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm working with children and adults, and I'm, I'm helping them. And he goes, no, this is your first job. What do you really want to do? And I, he goes, think about it and come back to me. And I, I thought about it, and it was interesting because the, the hospital I worked at was, was a really nice one. It had a pool. We did, we did aqua therapy. Um, but it had a craft shop. And in the, in the craft shop, they, people worked on these stuffed animals along with a lot of different crafts. But I just vividly remember the patients that worked on the stuffed animals would work on the heads first. They'd put the heads down and they'd start sewing up the bodies. And I would walk around picking up the heads and making the heads talk to them like, hi, how are you? And the people looked at me like, really, I'm in this hospital and you're not? You're a therapist, really? And we'd laugh a lot. And I noticed that later that day, that week, they'd stop me in the hallway and they'd say, Roberta, can, can we talk? There's something I don't feel comfortable talking to the doctor about. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, that when we laughed together, we became equal. I wasn't the therapist. They weren't the patient. It, it, we were on the same playing field. It didn't really matter. And they felt more comfortable with me. And I went back to my boss and I said, I want to start a group here called Brighten Up, where the patients can come in and talk about issues that they have in a non-threatening way, and we can deal with humor and laughter and see how that can help them when they go out on their pa- At that time, they had passes. They could go out on the weekend. And we started Brighten Up in probably like 1984, 1985, mm-hmm. and it launched wonderfully. The pay- it was amazing how they responded to humor and laughter. And we talked about good laughter and bad laughter because a lot of the patients use laughter to hide behind their issues. But it also was a way to, for them to face things they didn't really want to face that were too difficult. And I saw the bigger picture. I started 
being asked to speak about this because the class was going so well, it was getting some notoriety. And I realized everybody gets depressed on some level, whether it's small or big, and everybody needs to have perspective on how to look at the different situations we're faced with in life. And I started Laughter for the Health of It in 1985 and never looked back. Interesting. I really like the way that uh, you said that when you laugh together, it puts you on an equal plane. I, that's very, very powerful to me that you know, I found the same thing as, you know, a leader supervising people that when we could laugh about something, it, it, it decreased my psychological size and we were, we were more equals and then it made me more approachable and therefore people would share more things with me. So I, I really like that you brought that out because I think it's such a, one, a truth, but two, such a powerful thing for us to think about on connection with the people around us. Yes, and it works on every level with every profession everywhere in the world. It doesn't matter. It brings people together. So you're out there doing a laugh, um, uh, doing uh, doing your thing, living large. You know, so now I know that you're you're going into schools. So and before I said we'd come back to this, but you were saying that, you know, for children, their stress level is a direct, uh, there's a direct correlation between that and their parents' stress level, you know, things that they, you know, can't control. So, you know, what's, what do you see going on and you know, how do you help to remedy that? Well, it's great because I started a program called Laughter Rocks and I'd like to start a movement where, people, where the kids start thinking about laughter when they're stressed out. Just something that changes their perspective mm -hmm. because they get so caught into this rut of having to do homework and having to do good, have good grades or I won't get into a good school and if I don't start early then I won't get there and it, it, it's so backwards because I remember when I was going to school we played a lot, we had fun. When we went to college, college was a place to take all different types of classes so that you could figure out what you really wanted to do. Now kids are so pressured into what major are you going to go into and which college <laughs> is the best for that major? Right. It's, it, you, and then the kids think, well, what if I don't want to do that? What if I don't know what I want to do? And they're, they are so incredibly stressed out. And, and I said that I'm bringing my, my program, Laughter Rocks, into elementary schools, but I'm also bringing it into high schools to help with, with testing, to decrease the stress level of tests because when you laugh right before you do something very stressful, it re relaxes you and it, it helps you retain your information better, mm -hmm. perform better on tests. And then also to sororities and to people on campuses who, you know, these kids, it's just, the stress doesn't end. And correct that it's our parents are stressed out, our teachers are stressed out. It's a whole different society now, but when I show these kids that they can laugh about things it, and to change their perspective with bullies, especially, mm -hmm. what I'm doing is having people focus on somebody else's strengths instead of their weaknesses. Trying to point, pick out somebody they don't like for whatever reason, whether they're being bullied by this kid or whether they're doing the bully mm -hmm. or whether they think this kid is a, a geek or a weirdo or just plain mean. And I have them think, pick out two to three positive strengths in that kid mm -hmm. and come back to me. And I do a weekly class with the, with the children. And it's amazing. Some of the kids look at me and they go, I had a hard time finding something good. But you know what I realized? He pitched a really good softball. He's a good pitcher. So 
whatever it is that they can change their mind and look at the positives instead of the negatives on people, if we can greet people that way and look at them that way, we will change perspective in our kids. That's got to be hard, especially if you're the one being bullied. I mean, I, my freshman year was, how should I say, less than enjoyable. I was short. I was fat. I dressed like a golfer. I was a, I, I just might as well just painted a big target on my back uh, simply because I, was, I always had a sense of humor, and I would show it, which always made me kind of the outball. I mean, the, the outcast, and, you know, I would say that I, in retrospect, I look at it as that was a good growing time for me to realize the people in the in the world that I don't want to be around. But if you had asked me my freshman year in high school to pick out something positive about the people that were being so crappy to me, that would be difficult. I can understand where that would be difficult for kids, you know, today, you know, it's like this kid's every day coming in and, you know, taking a big steamy dump on me. And <laughs> I, you want me to find something positive about that person? I know. How do you do that? <laughs> Well, we start small. That isn't the first lesson that I do. The first lesson I do is what I also do with adults, is I say, think about something you enjoy during the day. Start your mind on thinking about something that you're going to do tomorrow that you're really going to enjoy. And then when you put your pillow, when you put your head on your pillow at night, the last thing I want you to think about before you go to bed is what you did during the day that you enjoyed. What made you laugh? What made you smile? Whether it was with your, some with another person, something you did alone, something that was active, something that was passive. It doesn't really matter, but focus on something that you enjoyed. And I also, when I teach the parents, I say, have when you have dinner with your kids, if you're lucky enough to be able to have dinner with your kids, the first thing I want you to ask them is that same question. What did you do today that made you laugh? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it starts the whole conversation in a different way. It's not going to change the bullies that are still going to take their dumps on you or whatever. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. <laughs> sorry, that, was a that was a technical term. That was a technical term. I know it was a metaphor, but, uh, but in a sense, that's what these kids feel like. Is you sure. kind of put it right on there. They're being dumped on. And it is the hardest thing. And unfortunately, the teachers today have to teach so hard to get the tests done, to get the test scores up, that they aren't able to teach kids how to be more resilient. Because, and everybody's focusing on changing the bullies. Bullies aren't going to change. There were bullies when we went to school, when our parents went to school, when our grandparents went to school, and there's going to be bullies with our great, great, great grandkids. There's adults that are bullies. That doesn't change. But what, what has changed is we're not teaching coping skills. We're not teaching these kids what to do and how to stand, not to necessarily stand up to this, the bullies, but how you somehow, Chip, had that resilience in you that you didn't go and want to kill yourself or kill someone else. Right. You had something in you that said, I can stand up to these a-holes or whoever you wanted to put with them and move on. And when I'm teaching the humor and laughter, it's not going to change the bullies. Right. It's going to say, I can picture that guy as Donald Duck. And Donald Duck can't really hurt me if I laugh it off and turn around and walk away. Yeah, it was a little bit easier for me. I had four older brothers, so I was used to being, <laughs> I was used to being bullied. <laughs> oh, you had it built in. <laughs> they had it built in because they were always like, hey, Chip, come here. Let me tell you a secret. And then they'd spit in my ear. So I always. <laughs> oh, God. 
I had a built-in resi- I had a built-in resilience on you know <laughs> dealing with those people that I could I just let it go. I was used to. There you was, had to be strong to survive. <laughs> well, in the same respect, we were a really tight-knit unit, so it's kind of like you know only I can call my sister fat. So if somebody were picking on me, I remember one time I was fishing and a kid was picking on me. And he was a few years older than I was, and I went over and got my brother Matt where he was working, and my brother. Matt came over and threw, threw the kid's bike in the uh, lake and threw the kid in the lake. And so I had, I had kind of a back, I had kind of a backup plan that they would, they would, they would torture me, but only they could torture me. Correct. Correct. And there was a hierarchy to that bullying too. Yes. Yes, there was. I hadn't, since I was the youngest, I had nobody I could take it out on except for the dog. Which, but you hit it on the nose before when you said today's social media, it puts everything so much in the forefront and so much out there. And everybody wants the notoriety. They want their five minutes of fame or whatever, or 15 minutes. And not necessarily in a good thing. And I think we need to turn that around and say, get your 15 minutes of fame for something good that you're doing. Right. And it starts so young now. I'm so, I was thinking the other day about going on family vacations and that when we went on family vacations, we didn't have electronic things to entertain us. We had to entertain ourselves on the open road. So you played the, right. the alphabet game, you played slug bug, which I still have PTSD from every time I see one, <laughs> I'm just like, I start shaking. Cause I, I expect somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna hit me. Oh, and, no. <laughs> and so I'm in the airports and I see these kids with their, their little devices and they're young kids too with their devices. And that one, I, it's got to change the way your brain operates, but two, you, you they're, they're so exposed to all these different elements at such an early age. And that, especially for you know, your middle school kids that and middle schoolers to me are in the worst place because they don't, they have all these hormones. They don't exactly know where they fit. So they'll pretty much do anything to fit in, including, you know, know, being really crappy to other people just so they can, you know, get a laugh or, you know, feel superior to that other person. And, you know, I would think that that would be a great place for, you know, your work there in those, those middle school years where, because I don't even like middle schoolers. I didn't like my own kids when they were middle schoolers because they're just so obnoxious. Which is why I started in fourth and fifth grade, to get them prepared for what they're going to have in middle school. Get them all prepped. Just sit down with them yeah. like, look, kids, here's the deal. In a couple of years, <laughs> your life is going to suck really bad. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> You'll be you can fine. get through it. You can get through it. <laughs> Absolutely. Eventually, eventually, you'll find your own group, and it'll all be well. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just think a big bang. Those kids were all nerds. So I like how you, you start simple with the parents and the kids as far as like, you know, help them see the positive. Cause I remember with my kids when they were young, we used to do that at the dinner table and we would start off with high and low for the day. What's your high for the day? And then with the low, it was an opportunity for us to take that low and say, all right, well, what's the positive in that? You know, it wasn't really low. I mean, what, what can we learn from that? And so it was, it was a good opportunity for us to have that discussion on, you know, kind of, I would say, in a way, resiliency, in a way, um, taking, trying to take something that might be a negative and shifting it into a positive. I but think I like, that's excellent. I like how you start with that. What are some other tools that you give um, parents and their kids? I, I give similar things to both. Um, I, basically, 
teach them how to roll with some of the punches. Things aren't so, it's not so important to have your house be the cleanest, neatest house on the block. It's more important to show that if something falls on the ground, together you can clean it up and move on. It's okay. Mm -hmm. um, I actually am hoping to publish my book shortly, um, within the next few weeks, hopefully. And I have different scenarios that can happen in life. Just humorous, funny things that you can actually want to dig a hole and bury yourself and, and hide from the world because of these situations. Or you can look at the situation and turn it around into a learning time, something that you can see humor in. You can laugh with your kids about things that happen and show them that things aren't as grave as they look if something, you know, if you get bullied, if you do something that's embarrassing you can turn it around and help people laugh with you at that situation instead of laughing at you. I like and that. It starts with, the, with the parents. Well, cause yeah, cause kids take their cues from you. If you are all stressed out about stuff, they're going to be all stressed out about stuff. And I, I've never understood parents that stress their kids out about, you know, their grades and like for me, I graduated. I'm going to impress you now at the bottom 10% of my high school class. And out of 600 kids, I got voted class clown, which I don't really think I deserved, but whatever. But it served you well. It, it did serve me well. But my parents, even though they wanted my grades to be better, never put an undue amount of pressure on me. I mean, I just remember my dad when I got voted, you know, voted class clown and saying, it's like, hmm, out of 600 kids, you got voted class clown. I don't see me paying for your college on this chip. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Thanks. Uh, and then later on in life, when when I yeah, I did go to college and my grades were really good, you know, it wasn't a congratulations. It was like, see, I always knew that you were just jacking around in high school, and it was just kind of funny. <laughs> always funny. See, I teach parents to say, not did you get your A today, but did you do the best you think you could do on that test? Whatever your best is, was that the best you think you could do? Mm -hmm. And the grade doesn't matter. Whatever grade you got, that was the best grade you could get, and I'm happy with that. Man, my it's, dad would have my dad. He was always like, <laughs> he, he would always like, are you going to bring Z's home on your report card this time? It was always, it was this joke, Z's. Then I was like, they don't give Z's. They're like, no, I think they gave Z's. That's what you'd be bringing home. But um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> My mom. And you wonder where your humor came from, Chip. <laughs> he was a he was a funny guy. He he really was a funny guy. Um, so you're you got a book coming out. That's exciting. It's like almost yes. like the birth of a child. You know, anybody that's put a book together knows it's a lot of work to put into it. So you know, what's it about? What do you? I mean, is it in the same theme? Tell me. You know, give us the the lowdown. Give us the hot skinny. Sounds exciting. Well, it's the exact thing that I'm talking about, helping parents. So I'm focusing on parents and teachers and grandparents because a lot of grandparents are raising kids right these days. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, it's definitely different scenarios and then how you kind of look at that scenario. So I'll give you my favorite one. So I, I love to cook. And I remember early on when the kids were young, I decided I was going to make this phenomenal meal for them. So I prepped, I cut, I chopped. I sautéed, I followed recipes, I put together this incredible meal. 
and the main meal was all these vegetables and I probably put chicken in it and I had it so well I had caramelized the onions I had diced and chopped and I was carrying the dish to the oven to put it in the oven and I tripped and I fell and the dish landed all over the kitchen floor mm-hmm. and I had probably worked for about three four hours on it and I looked at this meal destroyed on the floor going oh my gosh and I was about to lose it when I looked over and I saw my dog and my dog had the look on her face like she had just won the lottery (laughs) (laughs) and she bounded over to the kitchen and was in hog heaven and I started laughing hysterically and I'm sitting on the floor with this meal all over me uh, hysterically laughing and the kids came out to see what had happened because they heard the crash and then they heard me laughing and they're looking at me like I had just lost it sitting there with the food around me and the dog laughing it up and they started laughing and we all just started laughing and I looked at them and I said okay is it pizza or burgers tonight (laughs) that's funny so I would have just I just I just would have told them like hey this is dinner you better get it before the dog eats it all (laughs) (laughs) I might have said that too, who knows. <laughs> but what can you do? I couldn't change anything at that point. The dog was in heaven and we went out to dinner. Nice. <laughs> so you look at things that you have no control over, things that you prepped and pried for and it, the whole scenario changes. And what can you do? What can you learn from it? How can you look at it differently? If I had been upset and mad and angry and and stormed around the kitchen, cleaning it up and saying, oh, no, now what am I going to do? The kids would have like been, don't talk to mom. She's mad. Oh, my God. Walk away. Hide in the other room. But instead, we laughed. They helped me clean up, which was a bonus for me. And they got to pick where we went to dinner. There's (laughs) certainly a silver lining in that. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) So the book goes on like that. It's scenarios of things, and then what do you do? How do you change it? How do you learn from it and move on? Good. Where do people find it? So when is it coming out, and where do people find it? They don't find it anywhere yet, but you can go to my website, um, which is Laugh For You, spelled L-A-F, the number four, the letter U, dot com, laughforyou.com. And I also have a private Facebook page called Laughter Rocks with an exclamation mark, and you can join my Laughter Rocks Facebook page where we are learning how to use humor and laughter in, with kids, with parents, with teachers, and I would love to have more people in it. That's cool. What, what kind of stuff do you put on there to help for, for people? I put, I try to put things on um, a couple times a week. Sometimes it's every other week. I try to do my best, but I put down things. Sometimes they're cues for you to see what you can do during the day to find more laughter. Sometimes they're just funny things I saw or observed. I'm actually going to be putting on there a 30-day attitude adjustment challenge where people can opt in and I will send them something every day to help change their attitude, to have a more positive attitude on life. How awesome is that? I like that. I want to be a part of that. So I'm, going to sign, I'm going to sign up. Not that my attitude's bad, but I think that it always can be better. 
Absolutely. We all need a little kick in the, in the behind every once in a while, even us who teach it, right? Well, it, even for me, I, my, my set point on positivity and being happy is usually pretty high, but we all have days that are just kind of crappy. Man, whether it's the, like if you live in Wisconsin like I do, the winter when it's the days are short and it's all cloudy and nasty out, and you're just like, oh man, I got the, I got the doldrums. You need something to, you know, jolt you, get you out of that, make you, <laughs> help you make a positive impact for other people, not only just yourself. Because that's what I think happens with people is that initially you might do something for yourself, but there's certainly a ripple effect where it impacts the people around you in your circle as well. There just was a study out that people that smile are happier. All you have to do is smile and your body changes your chemical compounds and it releases, you know, I don't know if it releases your endorphins just by smiling, but it definitely changes your attitude because if you put a smile on, even a fake smile, and you greet people, they're going to greet you in a positive way, which is going to make you feel more positive, which is going to make your smile more real. Absolutely. Very rarely will you smile at somebody and not get a smile in return, unless the person's just a jackhole. Exactly. It's interesting, Chip. I do work with um, women who are have escaped their horrible life of being battered and abused and are in a crisis shelter. And I work with them when they first come in and when, and however long they're in the shelter. And if you ever had to work with somebody that was coming from a place that was horrific and I'm teaching them how to laugh again and how to find joy and then how to laugh with their kids because they're all in there with the kids too. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm learning from them how resilient you, we really can be from, from something that I can't even imagine because I've been blessed luckily with a good life um, to have somebody come out of years and years of, of being suppressed and, and battered and, and physically and emotionally abused and they're able to see humor again and laugh and tell me about when I come back again, how they laughed and used the laughter. It, it's empowering. It's amazing. That is cool. Well, I really appreciate the work that you're doing out there and the work that you have done. You know, it's not easy to be in the trenches every day and not let you not let it affect you. I know a lot of people that work in the public sector and they see the, the worst of society every day and it, it drags them down. But it's nice to talk to somebody that you know, sees that but is out there trying to make a positive impact for people and really trying to, like you say, start a movement that's going to have a, a positive impact down the road. Well, I thank you for that. And I hope that everybody finds that laughter rocks. Soon. Well, I, th I think that they will. So what's the name of your book? And I'm going to ask for your website again, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. I actually don't have an absolute title for my book. I'm working on it. It's a, a title in progress. But you will be able to find it um, on my website, laugh for you, L A F, the number four, the letter U dot com, and on my Facebook page, which is Laughter Rocks, or you can go to my other la Facebook, Roberta Gold. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to share what you're doing with myself, especially, but the people that are listening to this as well. Um, I'll close with it. Do you have a favorite joke? I don't know if I have a favorite joke. I have a favorite saying that I like. What is that? And it's short. Short and sweet. It's 
easy enough to be pleasant when life flows round and round, but the person worthwhile is the person who can smile when their pants are falling down. <laughs> oh, I love that. I absolutely love that because I, you know, even more on the phone right now, I'm completely naked doing this. So it's really kind of a fun thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave great, you. I just gave for you that visual. I know. I just gave you. I was gonna say. I just gave you a visual you absolutely did not want. So you're like, oh my god, I need to get this out of my mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Well, thanks again it was for fun. Thank. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time chatting with you, Chip. As well, always, the pleasure was mine. For those of you who are listening, this is Laughbox. The podcast for the association for applied and therapeutic humor i encourage you to check out us at aath.org and uh, consider coming to our conference we'll have a good time you'll get to meet roberta she's pretty awesome and join the humor academy it is the best thing you will ever do for yourself absolutely it actually is so i will catch up with you later thanks thanks again roberta thank you tip have a great day This is LaughBox, the podcast for laughter and humor professionals. LaughBox is made possible by a grant from the National Speakers Foundation and is brought to you by AATH, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Find out more at aath.org. Be sure to review LaughBox on iTunes. For show notes and more information about today's conversation, visit laughbox.aath.org.